we really organically scaled the business for four years, doing a lot of the stuff that we teach now in outsource school of getting on podcasts, having partnerships, putting out content. This is all stuff you do with VAs and do with freelancers, at least do 90% of it with you doing that last 10%, like going on the podcast or hopping on the phone or whatever it is. So we scaled that from $5,000 to a million to 5 million to 9 million to 12 million last year. You're listening to the Client Catching Podcast, the show that uncovers how high-performing service-based business leaders are successfully navigating the ocean of complexity around growing their business. Now, as anyone with the talent and guts to start a business knows, it takes a lot more to grow one than just being great at what you do, and you can't do it alone. So this podcast will show you how other captains of their own ship, just like you, have found the right strategy to catch more clients, simplified everything, and transform their business. So if you're ready to do the same, then jump aboard and join me, Adam King, host and the captain at Think Like a Fish, and let's go fishing. Hey, how you doing? Adam here, and I wanted to quickly let you know about a brand new 15-minute video training where I show you how to get 5, 10, 15, 25 or more predictable sales appointments every month in just 30 minutes a day. And how you can do all of that without cold calling, networking, relying on referrals or any of that kind of stuff. Now, I've added that to the podcast gift page, which you can find at thinklikeafish.co.uk slash podcast gift. That's thinklikeafish.co.uk slash podcast gift. And you'll also see all of the other resources and gifts that I've created on that page as well. So hope you go and check that out and, uh, and enjoy what you find. So until you do that, Let's get back to the show. Hello, welcome to the Client Catching Podcast. Now, when you're running a business, there's always a lot of work to get done, right? But the good news is you don't have to do everything all, all on your own. You don't have to burn yourself out trying to do a million things all at once while you actually try and grow your business. See, instead, what you can do, you can always turn to virtual assistants and outsource a lot of the things that are overcrowding your plate. And look, in this day and age of online communication, technology, the ability to tap into a global talent pool, there's really no reason not to outsource anything in your business. But if you've never tried outsourcing, you probably have a few questions looming over your head of, of, you know, how it works. How do I do it? Where do I find the people that I need to do this outsourcing for me? Well, you're in luck because my guest today is an entrepreneur and expert in remote hiring and outsourcing. He co-founded FreeUp.com in 2015 with initial $5,000 investment, and he scaled it to 12 million per year in revenue. And that business was then acquired in 2009. And today he's co-founder of Outsource School, a company working to educate entrepreneurs on how to effectively hire and scale with virtual assistants through in-depth courses. So if you've got any questions or you've been thinking about outsourcing, then this is the podcast you're going to want to listen to and why I'm absolutely delighted to welcome my guest today on the Client Catching Podcast, Nathan Hirsch. Nathan, welcome to the Client Catching Podcast. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. I think a lot of people will think outsourcing, VAs, that kind of thing, and maybe it will put something in their mind as to what that is. But from your perspective, where you've been, your experience, how do you describe outsourcing and its value to a business? Yeah. So I think the first thing is understanding what outsourcing is. And the second thing is understanding what a virtual assistant is. So outsourcing, if you go back 20 years ago, if you wanted to hire someone, you had to hire them 40 hours a week in your town or the towns around you, you need an office or someplace to, to put these people. And 
it didn't give you a lot of flexibility as an entrepreneur. And I think we've kind of even seen this with COVID when you have to have an office or you have people that are in, in person. Um, there's just a, a lot of things that could go wrong if your business doesn't have that as strong as of a month or isn't growing or whatever. And if you fast forward today where you can hire people part-time, full-time, project-based all over the US, all over the world, different skill sets, different price points, it gives you a lot of flexibility as a business owner. And you can still get to the point if you want to, to have an office of full-time US people, but it gives you the flexibility to build your business however you want. You might only need a, a graphic designer here or a VA for 10 hours a week here and not need everyone full-time in US. So it gives you a lot of flexibility. Off of that, a lot of times when people say virtual assistant, they mean just anyone working remote, anyone working from home. When I'm talking about virtual assistant, I'm really talking about the followers. So there's three different levels of people you can hire. You've got the followers, the doers, and the experts. Followers, five to 10 bucks an hour, non-US, they're there to follow your systems, your processes. They could have years of experience, but the way you do something is going to be different than another one of their clients. So they're only as good as your systems are. The doers are more the graphic designers, the writers, the video editors, the freelancers. They're there to do that one task at a very high level. You're not teaching a graphic designer how to be a graphic designer, and they're not consulting with you either. And then you got the experts, the high-level consultants, freelancers, agencies. They're bringing their own experience, their own systems, their own process to the table. So just like you wouldn't hire a follower, a VA, and say, hey, I don't know how to run Facebook ads. Go run my Facebook ads. You wouldn't hire an expert and say, hey, you've had success running Facebook ads your way with your other clients. I'm going to hire you and give you instructions and tell you exactly what to do. So hiring all three levels, you'll probably have to do at some point as an entrepreneur, but you have to understand that working with each level is a little bit different. Yeah. So if someone's sort of listening to that and thinking, okay, so I'm now seeing that there's actually not just one way to outsource, there's three different ways to outsource. Where would you say that someone is best thinking about starting? Because obviously it's quite a leap to go into this if you've never done it before. So where would you suggest someone starts? Yeah, and, and there's no right or wrong answer here. I mean, there's pros and cons and everyone's in a different point in their business. If we're talking about the entrepreneur that has a, a budget for hiring, but a limited budget and understands at least has developed some kind of business model, isn't trying to figure out things from scratch, you're most likely starting with the follower. You're starting with hey, how do I get a few hours a week back? How do I transfer my hours from doing day-to-day -day operations to focusing on sales, marketing, expansion? So a lot of times the solo entrepreneur will go out there, they'll start a business, they'll get some clients. Let's say they're a marketing agency. They're finding the clients, they're, they're doing the fulfillment as well. They're posting on social media. And what they need to do is come up with a list of everything they do on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis and prioritize that list from easiest to hardest and start chipping away at the top of the list saying, hey, what if I hire a VA for five hours a week here, 10 hours a week here? It could even be five hours a month. For Outsource School, my new venture that I'm just starting, my first hire was a bookkeeper for five hours a month before we even had revenue because I understand that I'm not very good at bookkeeping and bookkeeping is important from day one. I want to have my books right. I want to get monthly reports that are accurate because those monthly reports are going to impact the decisions that I make going forward. So I set it up where, hey, it's five bucks an hour, five hours a month, 25 bucks a month. We're not talking a lot of money, but I set that up a little bit early to get that going. And then my next hire was to get me out of my inbox. So I hired a VA for 10 hours a week to work from seven to 9 a.m. every morning 
they clear my emails, they book my podcast, they book my meetings, they reschedule stuff. And that just got me an hour or two back every single day. And I get a head start to every single day. So there's no like right thing that applies to every single business on what you should hire first, but that should be your overall mentality is how do I get a few hours back? Yeah, because I mean, that's one of the biggest struggles that everybody has, isn't it? I mean, it's, I just don't have enough time in the day a lot of the time. And we do find ourselves doing a lot of the menial tasks that either drive us mad or don't drive revenue. So yeah, maybe yeah, making that list of some of the things that you are doing a little bit too much that aren't really helping you grow the business or move forward, then that's a good place to start. But is there a, a, a sort of a, a thinking behind when you're outsourcing that, yes, you could hire um, someone that is going to do some regular stuff for you or someone that is going to do sort of piecemeal or do you hire on project? Do you hire on just a thing that you need to get done? Is that another way that people often start? So because you're training someone in your systems and your processes, if you're hiring the followers, a lot of times it doesn't make sense to hire someone like project-based or sporadically only because you're, you're investing and teaching them. Whereas if you hire that doer, the graphic designer, the video editor, the writer, that makes a little bit more sense. If I need a blog article here and there, I don't have to teach them how to write each time, but we just have to get on the same page on what the project is. Mm -hmm. So usually, not always, there's exceptions to every rule, but the doers are a little bit more project-based. The other thing to keep in mind is there's no such thing as on-call and urgent. And if you're setting up your business where everything depends on on-call and urgent, your business is going to really struggle. You're not going to be able to scale that thing. And what I mean by that is you can't just wake up and say, hey, blog writer, I have an article. I need it done today. I need you to drop what you're doing and work right now. There's no one that's going to sit at their desk all day doing nothing, waiting for you to give them work. And then you give them work and they just get started on it right away. And if you do get a situation like that, it's probably a newer VA or a newer freelancer that's going to quickly realize how bad that is for their time management. And that's not going to work out long term. No, I was just going to say, if you're, if you're on the other side, you've got to also consider how it is for them, like you would if they're, they're somebody that works in, uh, you know, in-house, because you're not going to do that with somebody that would work in-house, are you? You're not going to sort of have somebody sitting in the office and just waiting around for you to tell them what to do. Well, maybe you do, I don't know, but that's not a very good way to run a team and not particularly efficient. And people like to have that certainty of, of what's coming. And I, I kind of think that maybe either, yeah, you're, you're either a new uh, freelancer VA or something like that, or you're not necessarily going to get the best standard. I mean, maybe that's slightly unfair, but I think of it in terms of um, if you're looking for someone to do some work on your house, right? For example, the best builders are booked up months in advance. If you go and find someone that is, oh yeah, I can fit you in tomorrow. You've got to be asking yourself the question, well, why isn't that guy booked up? Um, right. Maybe that's something there. I don't know if that is, uh, yeah, if that, if that actually exists within this world, but that's something that comes to mind and maybe something or a fear that people may have in their head thinking about outsourcing. Have you found that? Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And a better approach is you either book up their hours and you pay them. So like if you need it, let's say you need a customer service rep who's on call when a phone call comes in, you pay them for eight hours a day, five hours a day, whatever it is, and you give them other work during that time. Or you get you whenever you reach out to that writer, you're setting up a due date. Hey, I'm reaching out to you now. Please confirm you're available. If you are available, can you get this done in the next week? Or even another approach that I use, because I'm building out all these courses for outsource school, I have three video editors. So I built up my Rolodex of video editors. They all have other clients. I respect that they have other clients. Whenever a project comes up, 
I assign it. I actually have one of them who I may put in charge. I give it to him. If he's available, he'll do it. If he's not available, he'll check with the others and assign it to one of them. And it's just a great process. That's a win-win for everyone. And I'm not just demanding, Hey, I need this done today here and there. I'll reach out to all three. Then I'll say, Hey, I do have something urgent. Is there any chance any of you available today? And sometimes they are, sometimes there's not, but that's a much better setup. Mm. And, and what I'm hearing in there is, is maybe a question that's coming up for anyone listening to this, because it sounds like in order to get the most from outsourcing and from having somebody sort of do this, maybe on a virtual way is, is you have to have your processes pretty well dialed or at least have a bit of a plan of what needs to be done. So is, would you say that that is one of the first places to start thinking about before you even then go and hire anyone? Is that, is that, is that where you would look to, to start? Yeah. I mean, you have to start building out systems and processes for your business. There's no way around that. I mean, we, we were talking a little bit, or you mentioned that my company FreeUp was acquired. I can tell you when we were going through due diligence, the first thing they asked was, how does customer service work? How does billing work? And they didn't want it from my head. It was one of our benefits was five minutes later, I sent them over a 50 page SOP saying, Hey, this is how customer service work. This is who does what this is for every situation. Now I didn't just wake up one day and write a 50 page SOP. I started with a one page standard operating procedure and I built it over time. And I eventually gave my VA's ownership of the SOP. So they kept it updated. We're a startup like most people listening and those processes change and evolve over time. And you want to keep those updated, but no one wants to buy a business where all the information is in your head and you really have to start putting it down on paper. Now, a lot of people say, oh my God, I hate writing SOPs. Like I don't want to do that. And I mentioned that you can give the VA ownership of it eventually and have them take it over, but you at least want to get that rough draft out mm -hmm. there. And, and I'm never someone to just sit down and write SOPs for eight hours, but 10 minutes a day, just start brain dumping stuff onto a piece of paper. Then you can organize it. And by the end of the week, by the end of two weeks, you have that SOP done. Well, those are important things if you want to scale your business. Yeah, because I, I, can, I can hear a lot of people sort of listening to this going, oh my God, like systems, SOPs and, and all that kind of thing. It's just like, ah, but you're right. It, it doesn't necessarily, you don't have to eat the elephant in one bite, right? You take it one chunk at a time and start with one small thing. What do you do? Um, I had a, a guest on here and uh, it's been a client that, that actually helps people create these SOPs from literally you sharing your screen with a five minute video a day and they build that library of SOPs over time and it's documented and, and, and all the rest of it. Dean Soto, his name is um, for anyone wanting to go back and listen to those uh, to that episode, because the process that he has is he's got a very systemized business and he is able to have his team uh, that he calls virtual system architects that help build these systems. It's a really great way to um, to start creating those SOPs without you actually having to create them because He's got those processes and his SOPs with his people that help you do that. And I think that's a fantastic way of, um, yeah, kind of like doing it, but not doing it, if that's okay. Because lots of people are in their business, they're doing work, they're, you know, and, and to add something on top, I can imagine you're thinking, hang on, that's just another thing I've got to do. But actually, do you find that that is a misconception that people think, oh, there's a lot of work involved to do this? And they, they just don't do it, but they don't see the long-term payoff and the benefit. Because yes, like anything, you have to put the work in at the beginning to get things working. It's not just going to happen. But the longer-term benefits far, far outweigh the, 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 the work you have to do at the beginning. Yeah, it's kind of like the, the entrepreneur that says, oh, it's just faster if I, if I do it myself. And I always cringe when, when I hear that line because 
maybe temporarily it's it's faster, but you got to make that short-term investment in your business to get your hours back. Because eventually you're either going to be working 80, 100 hours a week, or you're just going to hit that ceiling of where your business can't expand or something's going to happen. You're going to need a week off. You're going to get burnt out. What if you get sick for a week? Like your business has to be able to run without you. And the only way that happens is if you make small investments into getting your time back into creating those systems and those processes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, do you have an example of, of someone that um, you've worked with that has sort of taken this approach? They have never used um, outsourcing. Maybe they had an internal team and they moved out, you know, outsourcing. And, and, but what they, the process that they went through, you know, where they were, what the pain was that they were feeling at the time, the process they went through, and then what happened to them and their business as a result. Yeah. So Tonya Reckla, who's a good friend of mine, she was a client on FreeUp. You can find her, her testimonial videos on the FreeUp platform, but she ran a podcast along with a bunch of other companies. She has a, actually has a really cool uh, background. She used to work in, in government intelligence and she does a lot of like background checks and stuff like that. And she runs a bunch of different businesses with her husband and they were really finding themselves stretched out thin because they had these multiple businesses, but it was really them. And they had struggled to hire VAs before. I had helped her with FreeUp get a VA and and just start creating this SOP and start doing that brain dump. Well, the first thing she did was make it so her podcast, she just showed up, right? Everything before booking with the host or booking with the guest was all set up. Everything afterwards, sending the emails, the social media posts, the email blast, whatever, that was good to go. And just there, she got hours back every single week and that became addicting. So then she started implementing and creating SOPs, implementing VAs and implementing SOPs for different parts of her business. And what ended up happening was she kept coming up with ideas for new businesses and they kept creating new businesses and kept structuring them with VAs. And they've gotten to a point where they have all these businesses that each business only takes them an hour or so per week. And, and obviously that's best case scenario. That's the dream, but you can get there. Just like making a bad hire kind of turns you off and you're like, oh, I'm never going to hire someone again. Making a good hire and learning the correct way to set up those systems and processes but also to interview, onboard, train, and manage, which is a lot of what we teach at Outsource School, that becomes addicting. And that makes you want to do more. That gives you, that rejuvenates you as a business owner because you start focusing on higher level tasks and things that are fun again, instead of answering customer service emails for the millionth time. So yeah, I mean, that's kind of the, the, the poster child for, for what entrepreneurs should try to do, especially ones that have never hired VAs before. Yeah, there's, there's certain things that are going to actually grow your business, move the needle. And one of them is not necessarily answering every single email, every single customer service call and um, yeah, updating every little uh, thing on your website. Like it's just, it, there, I saw a really good uh, uh, Twitter post a little while ago by a, a guy here uh, called Daniel Priestley. And uh, he was, he, he used the acronym ROT and uh, he, he was, he asked a question, what's your ROT return on tinkering? And it's like, that's what we end up doing far too much. Whereas actually, if we got away all of that and we can just outsource, you know, tinkering with your website, tinkering with this, that and the other. And it's like, no, just get rid of that and just think about how much time you then get back. Not just physical time, but mental bandwidth as well to actually make good decisions moving forward. Because sometimes we don't really consider that all of this time that is taken up with the amount of things that we're thinking and having to do and, you know, switching from task to task and that whole you know, actually, when you switch from one task to another, you lose whatever it is, 15 minutes or something in between tasks. There's so much going on there that if you just take away all of that, have somebody do it, just think about what you could do and move forward. Yeah, 100% agree. So 
I'm interested. I mean, I've, I've got some thoughts with obviously what's going on in the world at the moment and how things are going. And we're seeing a lot of businesses struggle. And, and you know, in this country, there's the furlough scheme. People are being sort of paid off for 80% of their salary and all the rest of it. But we don't know what's going to happen when that stops and then businesses open their doors and whether those jobs are going to be there again. I'm interested to be someone of your experience and, and having been in this world where you see things going in terms of using more of these outsourcers or virtual staff because let's be honest we've just now been forced into a virtual world or a virtual working world a lot of people without stabilizers right with no safety net whatsoever interested to know your your thoughts on on where you think the virtual staff I guess, industry or trend is going? Yeah, I mean, I think we were going as a world going more remote and more towards outsourcing and VAs and freelancers before all this. I think Corona and COVID just kind of sped, sped it all up a lot faster than, than we all thought. I also think it's making a lot of people just reevaluate their situation. I think for a while now, we've heard like, hey, like, don't become a VA, don't become a freelancer, don't become a business owner, because that's what a lot of these VAs and freelancers are. They're, they're business owners because like having a, a nine to five job is more secure, right? Like that's a safer route. And all of a sudden people are realizing that their nine to five jobs were not as secure, secure as they thought they were. And that it's actually more secure to have a bunch of different clients that if one drops off, you still have more revenue coming in. So I think both from the hiring standpoint, we just saw Twitter say, hey, everyone's going to be working from home going forward. And the offering services side, the people looking for work, looking for jobs, looking for clients are both realizing the benefits of remote, having multiple clients and everything that, that goes with it. So I think we're, we're going fast paced in that direction, even faster than they were before. And it's one of the reasons why I'm excited to kind of stay in the space once we sold free up and continuing to be here with, with outsourcing. Yeah, um, I've, I've been saying it for a, a, a similar amount of time in, in that, you know, this, this shift is coming. It's, it's more the perception of whether or not people can do it or be trusted to work from home. I mean, uh, to me, the, the, the logic of making people travel an hour in and an hour out of work every single day on, on crowded public transport or um, jammed in traffic and, and all the rest of it, that's two hours of wasted productivity a day for a start. It's two, or it's two hours away from a family, which has the knock-on effect and all the rest of it. Whereas it's been forced. And if you're running a team, you're kind of forced to trust the people. I think trust is a big problem when it comes to running virtual staff, um, actually trusting that they're doing the work. I think a lot of people are seeing actually they are doing the work and this isn't normal this isn't a normal working from home period because there are so many things that are not normal you know if you've got kids i've got kids running around literally outside now um because they're at home they don't have the childcare, and i think that it is a trend that has been coming and, and people are being forced into it and actually people are starting to think i don't mind this i actually get to spend more time at home i get to spend you know i, I can i can be as productive as i as I normally am, if not more so, without getting jammed in traffic and all the rest of it. And yeah, I, I think there's going to be some, uh, some big changes moving forward. And also that brings opportunity as an individual, if you're a freelancer or a, uh, somebody that's thinking about taking that leap. But it's, uh, I mean, what do you find then, if, if we're just talking almost the opposite side, if you're a freelancer or someone that's thinking about going into this, what are some of the things you should be thinking about to position yourself well to a business when their doors open again? 
Yeah, I think you have to focus on, first of all, understanding what level you're at. Are you a follower? Are you a doer? Are you an expert? I think that's one of the keys, especially for me as hiring, is I want people to be honest about what they can and cannot do. The, the next two elements are the attitude and the communication. Like, are you more professional when things don't go your way? We've all had clients that aren't rainbows and butterflies. Like, you have to be the more professional person, at least me as a hire, someone who's going to interact with my clients, with my customers, with my team. I want someone who's going to have that great attitude and positivity and bring something to the table and help create that family environment. And on the communication side, that's everything, especially if you're working from someone in a different country. They have to be able to not only speak English, but get on the same page quickly and be able to not go in circles with meetings and not have the clients repeat themselves and value the client's time at the highest possible level. So it really comes down to that trifecta of skill, attitude, and communication. So, yeah, I think it's 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 the same skill set i guess but you know being you know a good worker in in any way you know you show up you're professional you have your skill you do good work and that's the first piece and and i mean there are obviously platforms like free up that you mentioned that you can put you in touch with businesses that are looking for that kind of thing or you can go you know the old-fashioned route and well you can't go to networking and hand out business cards at the moment but it's 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 that kind of thing people I guess the fear when you're thinking, well, this is something I could do. It's like, well, how am I going to guarantee that I get enough work? And, and maybe right. then it's, it's sort of teaming up with a, a platform um, that will help with that or something like that. I guess there is, there, I mean, there's so many options. But um, when it comes to the business actually sort of thinking, right, okay, I've made this decision. I'm going to go and do this. I'm going to try this outsourcing thing. What are some of the mistakes that they make straight away that really you can say, do not do this at all. Like, what are some of those mistakes? Yeah, most mistakes come in the onboarding stage. So we teach what we call our SICK method, which is S-I-C-C, and that's schedule issues, communication, and culture. And that means after the interview, before you start training, if you want to hire someone, you go through your schedule, what other clients they have, what their schedules are, how many total hours they're working, what other commitments they have, make sure you're on the same page there. You go through issues, which is uh, personal issues, computer, power, internet, weather, get on the same page with what the backup plans are, how often they have those issues, how to communicate with those issues. You go through communication styles, what tools, what programs you use, Slack, Skype, do you use Time Doctor, do you not use Time Doctor? And then culture. We talked a little bit about attitude, but my culture is going to be different than yours. So what, what do you care about? We care about ideas and feedback and positivity and and working together. So going through those with the VA, getting those in writing so that you can always reference back to them and then giving them a chance to back out because sometimes you have, or most entrepreneurs, they have a very vague job posting and then they give a little bit more information during the interview. And then the VA doesn't really know what they're getting into until they start the training and they've already committed. And by then it's too late. So Spending extra time laying out the expectations and giving them a chance to back out if those expectations are not in line with what they want is incredibly important. Yeah, because you've got to remember that, that it's always a two-way relationship, isn't it? It's not just, right, I'm going to give you some stuff to do and you're going to go away and do it. You've got to think, well, yeah, this person is only going to do it if they clearly understand. And it's like any good management of an internal team. There's, you know, the, the principles remain the same. It's communication it's 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 understanding what it is you want them to do and make sure that they're clear on what it is and and have uh, i don't know kpis or um goals or targets that each time you reach you you know as the 
as the person doing the work, whether or not it's been achieved and what's been expected. So you're not sort of sitting there thinking, well, hang on, I've done this, but I'm not sure if it was the right thing or, you know, am I doing a good job or anything like that? And at the same time, you as the business owner, you are sitting there going, well, actually, I know if this person is doing a good job or I'm doing a good enough job communicating my needs to this person because it's coming back and I'm hitting these KPIs. Right. Yeah, I completely agree. And a lot of that comes down to those expectations, because if you're setting those KPIs up front, it's very easy to go back to and say, hey, we agreed to this or, or hey, you said that you had a backup generator, but you lost power. And what, where was that backup generator? You disappeared for two days. So getting making everything as black and white as possible across the board is incredibly important. Yeah. So do you want to go into your backstory a little bit about how you came to freeup.com? what that was, the thinking behind it that made you go into it and, and sort of where that's taken you and how it's led to where you are today. Yeah. I mean, I was a, a big Amazon seller. I started a business out of my college dorm room. I ended up selling over $25 million on Amazon from when I was 20 to 26. And I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. And that was kind of my first adventure there. And I, as I was growing this business, I had to hire people. I, I was going crazy. I was working a lot and doing everything myself. And I started hiring college kids. They were pretty unreliable. So I turned to the remote hiring world, the Upworks, the Fivers, and I always wanted something better and, and faster. I, I kept looking for something that wasn't a free-for-all that made me vet hundreds of applicants. So I came up with the idea of FreeUp based on what I wanted in a platform, some place that pre-vetted VAs and freelancers before they got on, a place that matched them up quickly, had great customer service in case anything went wrong, turnover protection. If someone quit, they'd cover replacement costs. And we took it to market with a minimum viable product, $5,000. We invested in this really crummy software. And people didn't like the software at first, but they liked the, the freelancers and the VAs and our vetting and our customer service. And we started expanding from there and eventually investing more and more into that software. And we really organically scaled the business for four years, doing a lot of the stuff that we teach now in outsource school of getting on podcasts, having partnerships, putting out content, this is all stuff you do with VAs and do with freelancers, at least do 90% of it with you doing that last 10%, like going on the podcast or hopping on the phone or whatever it is. So we scaled that from $5,000 to a million to 5 million to 9 million to 12 million last year. Um, when one of our clients reached out and said, hey, I want to get into the VA freelancer space. We, we love FreeUp. We've been using FreeUp for a while. We don't want to build this from scratch. Would you be interested in being acquired? And we went through a ton of due diligence from them. We only were going to sell it if it was a win-win-win for everyone. We really liked the new owners. We liked their vision. Uh, we thought the offer was more than fair, if not aggressive. We took $500,000 from the deal and gave it to our internal team in the Philippines to make sure they were taken care of because they deserved a lot of credit for helping us build the platform. And we made sure all their jobs were secure and, and all of that. And so at the end, when, when we sat down, we said, hey, is this a win for everyone? We thought it was. And we continue to think it was after the fact. We have a great relationship with the new owners. And once we sold FreeUp, people started reaching out to us saying, hey, can you, can you teach us how you did it? Because FreeUp was, was an eight-figure business completely run by virtual assistants, no office, no US employees. And we didn't just wake up one day and hire 35 people from the Philippines and cross our fingers and hope it worked out. We had real systems, real processes for interviewing, onboarding, training, and managing. And, and with that, we launched our, our course called Cracking the VA Code that went in depth into those four things. And we kind of just took it to market. We didn't know if people would like it or hate it, but people really liked it. And so 
we started launching mini courses all around operations and marketing and how to hire VAs to go on podcasts, to do lead generation, to do bookkeeping. And instead of just selling a million different courses, we turned it into a membership where if you buy Cracking the VA Code, which is $9.97, you get a year access to all other courses we come out with. You get to be part of our community, which is all other entrepreneurs learning about VAs. You get a year of support. And we're also building some VA software, some SOP building and other tools that our members will get access to. So that's kind of the, the short version of how I went from an Amazon seller to free up to getting acquired to now working on my new venture outsource school. Oh, it's, it's a hell of a journey. And, and, and what I like about it is you know, the, the, the speed of it, but also the, the starting it in the right way and, and thinking, right, it's, it's systems. I need systems because ultimately systems are the things that grow the business. I mean, every large successful business is run by systems, not an individual because, you know, you don't see Richard Branson answering customer service phone calls at Virgin Atlantic or Virgin Media, do you? No, because he's got right. systems and obviously there's a lot of other ways that those businesses are structured. But, you know, the, the point being, he's not the one doing all of the manual stuff. There are systems for people under him. There's systems for delivery. There's systems for marketing and selling and operations and all the rest of it. And, you know, he kind of does the stuff that the, you know, the, the, the higher level stuff. He is the figurehead. And, you know, he, he gets the brand recognition by being Richard Branson now. It's, it's um, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting, uh, a really, and, and yeah, in four years, I mean, that's blooming impressive, right? So uh, I think there's a lot of people probably listening to this going, wow, I wouldn't mind that in, uh, in just four short years. So you mentioned a few things that you did along the way, but what, what, what have you found has been some of the most effective ways for acquiring customers and clients, even from your previous you know, experience moving, you know, what are they, what have they been sort of the way that you acquire class, uh, clients? Yeah. So this is kind of my organic marketing playbook that worked for free up. We're doing the same thing at outsource school. It's the same thing we're teaching our members. It's have an affiliate program, make sure you tell everyone about your affiliate program, make it clean, make sure it's on your website. It should be mentioned at the end of every call. If you have people make phone calls for you, they should mention it. From there, you should be going on at least a podcast a week. I go on a podcast every single day. Great for building relationships, great for backlinks, uh, great for getting in front of your target audience if you do the research correctly. Next, it's networking. I network with three new entrepreneurs in my space every single day. I'm not selling them. I'm not pitching them. I'm just looking to set up a call and see if there's any way to help each other. And if there is, great. If not, always good just meeting people in your space. From there, partnerships. We target people that are in the same industry that don't have a competing service. And we do content swaps with them. And this is all organized by a VA. We, we touch on this or we teach you how to do this in our partnership playbook, which is part of the membership. And every six months, let's say we do an email blast together. We do a blog swap, a, a guest blog post. I've done VIP dinners with partners. So you can go very small or, or very big um, as you go through it. Next is influencers, which is part of our lead generation formula, reaching out to influencers and getting them to promote your product, which is a little bit harder. And, and they all kind of go together, right? And you're putting out content too. So as you're networking with people, some of those networks might invite you to be on their podcast. The podcast might lead to an affiliate. The partnership might lead to something else. It might lead to getting on a podcast. So they all really go together hand in hand, but these are little things that the VA will do 90% of for you. You do the last 10%, takes me 15 to 30 minutes a day, not including the, the 20 to hour podcast I do a day. And the rest of the time I'm growing and scaling my business. And anything you do in paid ads is only going to complement these this organic play. Mm. 
Yeah, and I, I, I like that approach because really that 10% that you're talking about is the relationship because that's what goes through everything that you've, you've spoken about there. It's you as the owner are there to build and have relationships because you cannot outsource the relationship. Like that is the one thing you can't. You can outsource everything that leads up to and enhances that relationship, the follow-up, the connection and all the rest of it. But you can't, you can't outsource the bit that actually requires you as the individual building that relationship but yeah there's so many ways that you can do that and 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 that's just that's worked for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years isn't it because it's just principle and it's you know meeting someone what you know you have a challenge you know or can i help you and 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 all that kind of thing and it's just like well it's yeah that's what business is it's it's about relationship and i think that's the one thing I think that could potentially get lost in this whole sort of talking about a virtual world and everything, that it doesn't matter. You're still talking to human beings and you cannot take that away. You're not going to just put up a funnel and make millions and millions of quid if you're in you know, certain businesses, definitely service businesses. You still need to talk to people. And uh, for, for some people listening, because you and I are in the sort of the marketing world, not everyone knows the term affiliate, but that's essentially commission based, isn't it? Um, on, onward sales that you introduce and just like good old fashioned referral fees and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, no, I think that's fascinating. And, um, one, one question I like to ask is, and maybe you're going to give me the, uh, the example of what you've just done. It's, I, I like to ask the question around if you had everything sort of taken away, um, and you had to start again, like how would you do it differently? I think investing in software is probably the only thing I would do differently. Like it took a good two years for free up to really look at ourselves as a software company. I think right now with Outsource School, we're kind of building our own software um, pretty early on and, and really investing in it and having a full-time developer. I, I think we live in, in a time where software is essential and hiring people is very important too. But I think there's a certain automation and software component that goes in as well. And I think I could have done a better job on that and with my Amazon business. Definitely wish I had invested early on it with pre-up and, and kind of learning from that going forward with outsource tool. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, I think anything that can make things a little bit easier off the bat. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, uh, there's so many things out there now, software that can actually just take so much off your plate as well. So, you know, software is one way, but also using people um, as, as well and using the software to manage those people. So um, yeah, I completely, uh, completely hear where you are. So. What I want to do is, is give people the opportunity to go and find out a bit more about you. So your website is um, outsourceschool.com. That's where you're now hosting your courses. Is that right? Yeah. So it, it's a membership. First of all, I'm very easy to contact. Uh, connect with me on Facebook or LinkedIn, Nathan Hirsch, or, or Instagram or Twitter, Real Nate Hirsch. Uh, yeah, go to Outsource School. We have a lot of free tools. We have a VA calculator you can grab to help figure out how many VAs you can afford. We have a case study that shows you our exact hires for the four years of free ups. You can see how we broke it down. We even have a free productivity course um, that you, it takes an hour for you to take. It'll make you more productive every day going forward. And then, yeah, consider becoming a member of Outsource School. For $9.97, you get our main course, which is the fundamentals, cracking the VA code, interviewing, onboarding, training, and managing. And then you get a year access to different operation and marketing courses that you can implement in your business. And the cool thing about these is they not only can you take them, but you can give them to your VA, you can give them to your team, and they all have SOPs and playbooks that you can quickly add to your business. So we're excited about that, and hopefully uh, people come and join. And, and I think the, uh, the ultimate selling point for all of that, um, for anyone that uh, 
you know, has kind of missed it throughout this whole thing is what you're essentially getting access to is the SOP that you use to build your 12 million pound business, right? And that is a pretty, a pretty good reason to at least go and check out the website. So anyone listening, I, I highly, highly encourage you to go and have a look because, um, you know, Nathan knows what he's doing. He's done it and uh, he is, uh, he's doing it again. So yeah, it makes complete sense. So Nathan, just thank you ever so much for coming on and sharing, uh, yeah, sharing your, your story, your journey and, um, you know, some of your ideas, tips and wisdom. It's, uh, it's been a great conversation. All, all that's left to say is happy fishing. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks so much for tuning into the show today. I know there are a lot of podcasts you could be listening to, but you've chosen this one and I'm truly grateful for that. And if you've enjoyed this week's episode, I'd love if you could just take a few quick minutes to share your thoughts and leave an honest rating review for the show over on iTunes. It's not only important for helping others discover the show, but I also read each and every submission personally, and they really do mean the world to me. So thanks very much in advance and happy fishing.